Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Jay Anelli. I'm Brian Dawes. And I'm Carrie Thomas. Wow, it has been a minute since I've been on. And for those of you listening in, this is probably going to be my last cast for a while. Uh, as I have, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's going to be a, a, a young baby in my life very soon. And I will not be making time for the podcast while that baby is in the fourth trimester. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> just going to be too much. Uh, so today we are going to talk about the state of the story 2021. Um, we're going to talk about what was published, uh, do a bit of a year in review, and uh, then I'm not going to participate in this, but um, Carrie and Brian are going to talk about, you know, the positives and negatives of the year, uh, what they look forward to, what their worries are for the future, all that good stuff. So uh, let's get to it. So this year we had uh, a, a record number of main sets published in a year. We had Kaldheim, Strixhaven, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, uh, Innistrad Midnight Hunt, and Innistrad Crimson Vow, which isn't quite out yet, uh, but the way the math works out, it's hard to have this episode uh, <laughs> later in the year. So Kaldheim had 10 stories beginning in January 2021. Strixhaven also had 10 stories in March 2021. Uh, Midnight Hunt uh, this past September had 10 stories as well. And Crimson Vow is planned on having uh, 10 stories. At least we're, we're all assuming. It's, it's probably a spoilers. Safe it's probably yeah. a safe guess that they're going to keep doing the five and five method. Uh, so this was introduced last year where there are five uh, mainline stories and five side stories released with every set. Um, with Midnight Hunt and Crimson Vow, that ends up working out to more like 10 mainline stories and 10 side stories since it's all one contiguous story. Um, but that that's a lot of web fiction this year. I mean, even compared to pre years and years ago when web fiction was, was a thing, uh, that that's a lot of web fiction for a single year. Um, I think we got a, in total, that means we got around 40 stories at about 5,000 words each. So the equivalent of two novels. Uh, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms also got five adventures in June. Uh, these aren't strictly speaking canon, but they are playable adventures um, for people who want to play D&D. Oh, they're canon for the MTG Wiki users managing the Planeswalkers page. Believe me, oh, we got to we got to get those one time mentions in there. <laughs> Jeez, those are always frustrating. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. There are also a lot of supplemental materials released, uh, so pretty standard now. Most of the time we're getting a Planeswalker's Guide. Uh, we have a Planeswalker's Guide to Kaldheim, to Strixhaven. Uh, I don't believe we got one for Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, um, but then again, that's not a, strictly speaking, magic canon plane. Uh, we also got one for an update for Midnight Hunt. Uh, I'm not sure if there's going to be one for Crimson Vow or not. I can't even spoil that for you. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, there are also Legends articles for every set. Uh, Kaldheim got one. Strixhaven got one. Modern Horizons got a couple. One for new characters and one for returning characters. Forgotten Realms got one. Midnight Hunt got one. It's a pretty safe bet to assume Crimson Vow will probably also be getting one. Uh, there was also a book you might have heard of called Planes of the Multiverse that came out that was a uh, sort of digest format uh, art book covering um, high-level lore from 
various planes in Magic's multiverse. It's written a guy by a guy named um, Jay and Ellie. Uh, I can't I, I can't quite make out. I'm not quite sure how that name is pronounced, but yeah. Uh, that guy promised he would tuck me in when I came to visit him next time. <laughs> yeah. If, you, if if you're not a live listener, you're missing excellent content like Jay talking about his tuck-in prog- process for his five-year-old and Brian asking to be tucked in the same way. <laughs> um, we also got we got some there. There's there's some really good and some disappointing franchise expressions this year. Um, I'm just going to mention Mana Strike real quick. Mana Strike was not from this year, but it did shut down in February 2021. It didn't really have a lot of story, but it did have what it had was cool, like lore-ish stuff. I don't lore adjacent stuff. Like, for instance, a a Gideon skin that was Gideon Heart of Aether, which is like a Kaladeshi automaton skin for Gideon, which was really cool. Uh, but it's gone now. <laughs> There's, that's disappointing. And it's not the only game that's gone because Magic Legends, which, by the way, I, I, I love that this game, that, that all these things named Legends came out at the same time. I did not know that my book from last year was going to be coming out at the same time as a game named Legends. My understanding is the, the Magic, what became Magic Legends had a different name then, which I guess was just the tentative name. Uh, it It went into open beta in March 2021 and never left. So this, this is just such a sad saga. This game was originally announced back in 2017. Uh, it was a, a partnership with um, Arc, Crypt- oh, Arc Cryptic, yeah, yeah Arc and Cryptic, uh, to make an MMO based on Magic: The Gathering. The direction it went is it was more of a, um, it was it was more of a ARPG. Yeah, and it was more oh, yeah. of an an rpg with some uh online elements so you know there were there were central hub spaces and things uh but it wasn't the the kind of mmo that i think a lot of people were looking for they were looking for a magic version of world of warcraft or something along those lines can confirm it it was part of this big 2020 year of the digital expansion from from wizards and hasbro that includes included like a bunch of DD games and things uh this was the big magic game that was coming out it was announced as being canceled in June. So like barely three months, it didn't even make it out of beta. And that's really disappointing because the game, actually, we were talking about this earlier and um, I have I'd basically no involvement in the game, so I can talk about it. But uh, we were talking about it earlier and Carrie <laughs> loaded it up 10 days before uh, it, it goes off for good. And it just felt like a very different game. They were yeah. saying. It is running smoother. It feels like just genuine, generally more rewarding than it did at the start. And like Brian brought up maybe that the loading issues were due to player density in the uh, common multiplayer areas, um, which may be true. But like just overall, it feels like a much different game. And um, it's leaving October 31st. So you still got about a week to play it if you're hearing this on Monday. Um, but yeah. I, I was. We were all critical of it upon its release, and there were much larger outlets than just us who were critical of it. But like, I don't know. It's still fine. Like, it's it's still got a lot of cool art and resources that wouldn't have existed without this. So yeah, yeah. it's it's a real shame. Uh, 
and it had a very cool storyline, which I'm just going to spoil for you here because the game is literally going to disappear in a week from when you're listening to this. Uh, it featured the resurrection of Lashrak, like the old school planeswalker Lashrak from the Ice Age dating back to like 1994 or five or something in magic history. Uh, they they brought him back after he was not really killed. He he was implied to have been killed in the um in the future sight novel. Uh, but his he was used to seal the Madaran Rift. Uh, but he himself didn't really didn't didn't wasn't confirmed as dying. You just heard his screaming stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was a very cool like lore mention, and there was a lot of like. It felt so fun to be able to like theorize again, especially seeing that character, like the very cool full motion video CG trailer they did for it with like the updated Lashrak design where he's got like, you know, he's got like this augmented body. He's not just like a a, a pale dude in a robe with long hair anymore. Um, it's got these floating limbs, you know? Yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty cool. And it's it, it's a shame to see it go, but. Yeah. Also, in I think a lot of people were 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 disappointed by the game. Uh, I can't really blame them. I, I enjoyed it, but I mean, it was really pretty much just an okay Magic game, right? Like it wasn't it wasn't yeah. you know it wasn't like Baldur's Gate three where it's just an amazing RPG. It was just it was fine. And Magic players, uh, it's very hard to compete with for their attention with something that's just okay, right? When they have a great card game, they could be playing instead. Exactly. They shut it down and play, pull up Arena instead. Uh, so the other big thing that started this year and has been going very well is the Boom Magic comic series. Uh, it has actually been monthly. I know because we all made fun of the Chandra comic from IDW. That was like four issues that took like a year to come out. Something like that. <laughs> it was it was it was quite the thing. Uh, not only is it monthly, but we are on issue seven or eight or will be soon at least. And, uh, we already have a one shot coming out next month called Tezzeret Master of Metal. Uh, the first volume collection came out, which was, it's actually really nice. It's a nice hardcover. Like I like having this thing on my, uh, on my shelf with the other comics. Um, the, the, the Chandra one only came out in like a soft cover and the older web comics when they packaged them were, were soft cover, but I appreciate my hardcover comics. Cause anyone who collects comics knows that like the, 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 the soft trade paperbacks are, they can fall apart pretty easily <laughs> if you do. Um, but that's about it. I mean, so the, the boom seems to be going places. Uh, I can't really talk about it other than that, but, uh, it's 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 being received well by the fandom it seems um as opposed to magic legends which just kind of disappeared that led uh, the legends one really makes me sad uh because i i did enjoy that game all right and then the last thing we want to talk about is strixhaven curriculum of chaos now it isn't out yet from uh when we recorded this but um this is a third D&D book based on a magic property. What's interesting about this one is that it is not a setting guide, so it's not like a source book. Yeah, it's not a source book for Arcavios like um Ravnica and the Ravnica and Theros books were. Uh it is more setting up an adventure on like a magical campus using Strixhaven. 
um, rather than as a specific like world building thing, which I thought was kind of interesting. I'm, I'm curious how that's going to shake out, but that is another magic franchise expression for the year. I've seen a lot more non-magic people on Twitter, at least talking about this book for good reasons um, in comparison to not as many people talking about Theros and Ravnica books outside of the magic sphere. So it got good press. Yeah, it was. Let me just say the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica was an eye opening experience with meeting D&D fans because <laughs> the D&D fans were like, what's going This isn't realistic. How do, how do they harvest all the grain they would need to feed the, the city? Like, what, why are there details on the ag- agriculture and this and that? And I was like, I uh, this book is terrible. Like, uh, yeah. what? Okay. okay. Well, I'm glad I never, I never played with those people because Jesus. No, I, I, that was, those were just like comments that I read. I was just, that one, that one really stuck out in my mind because it seemed like needlessly pedantic. My main qualms with the book were that some of the challenge ratings, some of the characters seemed very bad to me. I felt like some of my favorite characters were made a little bit too easy, but I'm not going to dredge that conversation up here. (laughs) Jay was in charge of character balancing, so direct all your... (laughs) Totally my fault. Totally my fault. (laughs) Because I even saw that book before it was printed. Uh, Okay, so let's let's talk about it. Your interview. So obviously I'm, because I worked on a lot of these things, I'm not going to engage in more criticism than I already talked about with like my disappointment with how magic legends went. Um, but I will kind of start the conversation off for all of you. So the boom comics, what are your thoughts? What are you thinking about with this new Tezzeret one shot where you think it might be heading? Let me hear it. I've been super impressed with the boom comics. Um, I'm not a very huge comics person, but I've been, I really love the voice that they've given all the characters. Um, I've loved how they it was it reminded me of oh what's her name the slice of life stories that we got for ravnica nikki um, drayden stories yeah, yeah it reminded me of the nikki drayden stories that i really liked and it it made me appreciate uh the small things that are going on in ravnica and it also i it made me appreciate the little moments with the between the different planeswalkers that were in the story and i i really enjoyed that part of the story i think I've done pretty much an entire 180 on this over probably the past two or three years. Magic story, when untethered from a magic set or magic product line with constant releases, is just genuinely good. Like, regardless of who's writing it, you get a lot more freedom to do wild and wacky stuff. And like, I don't know, we we touched on Leshrac being resurrected in Magic Legends. Um, or his resurrection plotline in Magic Legends. And now we have Merit Lage getting returned in the Boom <laughs> comics. Uh, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't, read, who hasn't read or been online in any kind of Magic sphere. Um, and like, I don't know, we're getting a Brothers War set. Like when you get to kind of remove things from the not ongoing story, because ongoing story makes it sound like it's more continuous than it kind of has been but from like the main set product releases um even for like one-off stuff you just get to tell more interesting stories or in the case of um the brothers war upcoming retell it and yeah i don't know it's just been all upside the new tesseract comic i'll be excited for i hate him more than uh i think he's kind of replaced soren for my character to hate but 
Nope. <laughs> nope. Put Thorn back in the rock. Put Thorn <laughs> back in the rock. Yeah, but I, I'll, I'll be excited to see what they do with the new Tazerat comic. And like, I don't know if that was ordered prior to the Magic um, main series launch, and we're just seeing it now, or if it was ordered because of the success of it. But I think like overall, pretty much on every access story and cover variants, which Magic players, if secret players have proven anything, they just want variants of things for choice. <laughs> so I feel attacked right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I wanted some of those cover variants, but, you know, and I wasn't even like physically collecting a lot of the stories. I was reading them through Comixology, but yeah. like yep. the idea of being able to have a dozen or so variant covers with Planeswalkers who aren't really tied to the story again, you just get to have more freedom with the IP. And I think that's also just like an advantage of the boom approach versus IDW approaches. They kind of got to have more fun with it and didn't have to be like um, as tightly managed, I'll say. Yeah, so there was a bit of consternation early on with the Boom comics not being strict TCG continuity and that they kind of branch off after war. But I think, you know, in now that we're, what, seven issues in, uh, I, I think the reception has been really good to them. People don't really care that it's not strict TCG continuity. And, you know, I feel like it's just adjacent enough to continuity enough that I would not be upset if they picked up this continuity in the card game so it, they could let other people kind of develop the story while they're doing other planes. So if they ever were, when they returned to Ravnica, they could just pick up with Merit Lage wrecking face on Ravnica and I'd be perfectly <laughs> okay with it. I mean, my hope is that they diverge just enough to have avoided Gideon's death and he just appears in the comics and nobody acknowledges <laughs> anything different. But Hey, I mean, we're, the Netflix show is going to focus on that, on Gideon. So who knows? Maybe they, they sidestep his death entirely in the show. We'll see. Yeah. So um, Magic Legends, we I, I talked a little bit about that, but let's hear from you two. Should that story be picked up elsewhere? I have no issues with that. Um, like, I kind of want to see what they were planning on doing with Lashrak. So, like, I, I'm not utterly opposed. Like, to me, it would be the greatest FU to Bolas to, for him to think that he actually killed Lashrak, but Lashrak is still alive somehow. So, that would be another insult to injury to him. And I'm all about that life. So, <laughs> I, I would not be upset if that, if that made it to a, a magic story in the, in the future. Yeah. I think. Just generally, if we're going to get more divergent continuities like Magic Legends and the Boom comics and assumingly the Netflix series, um, those options are open. And like, I don't know, I, I'm i I'm interested in seeing Lushrock again. <laughs> I, me and Jay are selfishly interested. Uh, me, Jay, and Brian are selfishly interested. But at the same time, like, I understand if it's like too much to interweave, especially with like just the amount of ongoing projects that magic has. So I'll, I'll put it a firm maybe, but also like we've kind of seen how these things rolled out in the past with um, past magic expressions, like the duels games, or even like the planeswalker novel series, you can pick up from a continuity, but also not acknowledge it and also not have to continue the main story of it. And I don't know, I want more continuations of that main story. So 
And you know, we've seen false narratives be printed into magic cards before, like what happened with Rivals of Ixalan. Or wait, was it Rivals? Rivals yeah. did have all those other cards that I think they just tried to explain by... Yeah, the false memory cards, basically. Yeah. So, like, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing those depicted in some kind of, like, Time Spiral-like set or a Commander Legends kind of set where they do a bunch of alternate realities where maybe Eladomri survived or Lashrak is still alive or Gideon is still alive and we get cards that are not canon but reflect different storylines that could have happened and like it can be like magic's what if series reflected in commander cards so maybe players who like specific characters can maybe get those new cards for those beloved characters again i'm not i'm not opposed to something like that being they don't have to do a complete storyline for it but just see those see reflections of those storylines in the card somewhere i'm completely okay with that and that's like i guess where magic has also been headed is like the secret layers have kind of enabled them, especially the unique um, or mechanically unique secret layer cards. Like they're using those for other IPs, but it's not against the rules for them to make a magic legends secret layer where it's like, here's Vash as a planeswalker. Here's Lashrak returned as a planeswalker card. We promise to print these in, the list or commander set or uh, <laughs> master set in the future. But for right now, they just exist as they are. And like, I, I think they should leverage those to push the story. I would have liked it to be leveraged to push an ongoing story that was for an active game, but also like you can touch stuff in the past. Or heck, we don't even have, to, it doesn't even have to be secret layers. Like, look at what they did with Modern Horizons 2. They they put in a bunch of random old school characters like Gaia Drone Dahada or whatever. Um, yeah, like that weird Dak and sub storyline where it's just like, oh, he gets a couple story moment cards because we felt like it. <laughs> Perfectly fine. Yeah, I'm I'm all for them adding cards from alternate storylines in some of these uh, ancillary sets, so they know people can know that hey, if cards are in some of these supplementary sets, they might not be canon anymore. But here's a card for these really cool characters that people love. So. I'm all about that. So I'm going to skip I'm going to skip forward to this next question then cuz that brings us right into it. Um how so so I think we can all agree 2021 was like the is or has been the year magic has allowed itself to get much more weird with stuff between universes beyond um more secret layers and stranger secret layers uh and stranger things secret layers <laughs> and <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Um, and you know, stuff like the boom comics diverging. Um, so how have, have these franchising efforts or these various, uh, IP efforts, uh, has, has it managed to establish in your opinion, magic as a, a bigger IP or grow the audience? Why is has universes beyond ruined magic in the outline? Because I did not write that, but <laughs> I but don't know. <laughs> I will say, uh, that, yeah, like, like here's here's my argument that I've landed on is that magic story is not a like super popular product. It can be a product and it can be a popular product, but it will never begin to um rival the card game itself. And I think like the crossovers between if you make a secret layer around an existing MMO 
and get to use their characters on magic cards and it draws some of those MMO players in, it will have done more to grow the audience of magic than magic legends very likely did in bringing in MMO players to magic, especially since it kind of changed directions to an ARPG. But like, it's just an easier way to grow an audience than um, trying to push the story or um, franchise expressions to a point where they begin to tap into other genres and audiences. And I think that's like really like D&D does that perfectly fine, but there's a lot of synergy in that because within the company. So, yeah, like I'm, I think Magic Story as an IP has a long way to go still. And the card game can carry a lot of that effort. I just think there needs to be a lot more working together to promote the story. So I think it'll be interesting to revisit that question next year when the Netflix show finally comes out (laughs) (laughs) that we've been talking about for years and years. Yeah, I think also like Netflix is just kind of on another level versus what we've seen of their attempts thus far. So I'm excited for that as well. Yeah, I definitely think that I'm reserving judgment until the, the Netflix show comes out because I do think that you know, Magic Story is what kept me in the game or what brought me back to the game, to be honest. Like, when I started playing Magic, I was more into the books than I was into the actual card game. But that was, like, during the height of the Weatherlight Saga and the culmination of the Invasion novels, right? So, um, and I bought fat packs just to get the books out of them. So, <laughs> like, I'm not even joking. That that's literally. I I still have sleeves from those fat pack boxes, but I because <laughs> I bought the I bought the fat packs for the books. But that's maybe I'm the outlier. But you know, it's there are people who are going to engage with the game just off of story, and I think that um, there it does hurt the audience when some of these efforts fail as spectacularly as they have. Um, like having your game go from beta to canceled in the span of what, three months, four months. It is, yeah. it's definitely not good for, it's not a good look. Right. Um, but I think that the latest stories are good enough to where if you get people into the games with some of these other projects, like the secret layers or the Netflix project, um, and the story remains as good as it has been, either through the web fiction or the um, the comics. I, I think it can hold its own. Um, they just need to advertise it a little bit more than they have, because you know you still have people who haven't, re- who aren't aware that it's even going on. Which is, I still understand that, but you know that some people are claiming that they don't know. Which you know that's that's it is what it is, but it, it's. I think anything that they can do to help funnel people into the story of Magic would help um, develop an already kind of floundering Vorthos community. But, you know, we'll see what happens. I I, I definitely am looking forward to seeing what happens after the Netflix show goes live. So uh, before we move on to the next one, since Carrie brought it up and it's at the end of this question here, has Universes Beyond ruined Magic? Absolutely not. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely, for sure. There's there's no way I do not shit my pants when I see the sheriff from Stranger Things on the table. <laughs> like, what are you? You're grown adults. Like, and this is like 
also the one where they said like hey we're gonna be doing reskins of these characters within like x months here's your year advance notice and people are still gonna be upset about it like i I just genuinely could not care less um i think i i have my own judgments about what this means for magic as a company but that's also beyond the scope of the podcast so and beyond the scope of the story (laughs) i think it's just funny that carrie noted person who lets the Wizards of the Coast slide on things is just like, I just don't care about this. Like, it's pointless to get that. <laughs> yeah, there's like, I don't know, I've I've aged out of my wrathful era, and I'm now in the I don't know, like, I hope it does better, but also like, I'm on a podcast about story, I don't have to be concerned about what secret layers they're doing. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Like I, I've never really understood the people who like immersion is a super weird hill to die on when like magic has done a lot of varied worlds in their game. Like you go from a Greek mythology kind of world to uh Kaladesh, which is super cyberpunky, like where they have flying airships. Like, I, I don't, I don't. To literal uh, cyberpunk on Kamigawa. Like, yeah, these like, people will not be that upset by Kamigawa, but will be upset because um, Stranger Things. Yeah, I I, I, I I, just don't get it. Um, like, Gandalf, people, there, I know people who are mad about, or I've seen people who are mad about, like, the Lord of the Rings stuff or the um, Warhammer 40K stuff. And I'm just like, these are things that are adjacent to some of the worlds that already exist in magic. I, I just, I don't get the, 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 the being upset about it. it it's, it's close enough tangentially to where it, it's super, it, it's negligible. I, 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 I don't get it. I just don't, but you know, to each their own, you don't have to engage with the product. I understand that you'll probably end up seeing it across the table from you in either standard or some kind or not, or not standard for universes beyond, but like in an EDH game probably, but like how often are you going to see those cards across from you in EDH? Unless that that's the only deck that, that person has. Like, and if this, if that's the only deck that, that person has, then that person might've come to the game of magic because of that product. And like, why would you turn someone away from this new game because of a product that they just bought because they're super hyped about it? Like, come on. Yeah. So that, that's, it's that's also, the- I do not at all buy the, excuse of like i was imagining myself as warzel and my opponent was tommel and we're doing a magic spell battle like no you're literally playing cards and you're talking about ev and shit it's like no i don't buy that the immersion was a factor for you um yeah <sighs> like a lot of things i think we talked about this last year uh, you know it if they had gone with more fantasy oriented properties first like no one had no one well some people had a problem with Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, but like that one was much smoother oh, yeah. than these others. You know, if they had gradually worked their way to an IP like The Walking Dead or Stranger Things, I think Stranger Things works nicely because they've already had so many cross D and D crossovers, right? Like there's a Stranger Things D and D comic book, right? Yeah. Um, so th- that just makes sense. Like, and the thing about Stranger Things, Stranger Things wanted to use magic, but magic didn't fit in the timeline that the story was acting on. Yeah, maybe if the boys get older, we might actually see them playing like beta. <laughs> yeah. Um, and tearing up chaos orbs. <laughs> oh my god. We should right, move on to supplemental. Let's yeah. let's <laughs> let's skip forward a little bit here. Um 
So the supplemental materials, we talked about the Planeswalkers guides, the Legends articles, Planes of the Multiverse, Strixhaven Curriculum of Chaos. What kind of engagement do they bring to the game um, and or to the story? Um, and kind of in the similar vein, just to, to give you plenty to talk about is um, for like Planes of the Multiverse and you don't don't have to worry about hurting my feelings here. Uh, if it's meant to be more of like a story on ramp, um, does it work for that? Should they be included in like the story section of the site? I feel like, yeah, like maybe, maybe not the, like, I think the Planeswalker guides and Legends articles should for sure be like lock in, like just put a separate tab for like lore on each of the things because they have one for main story and set story anyways, just add a third tab and it just has the Planeswalker guides and any Legends articles because those things are hell to find on the website. I do not want to complain about magic.wizards.com, but it is a difficult site to navigate in 2021 when you are when you know exactly what you're looking for yeah um but yeah like they just need to be featured more and like the story page should be a full um shopping experience for your story products even if they don't directly let you shop from the site itself um you should be able to be directed to places where you can buy books um and like the physical books that are available um, D&D, Planes of the Multiverse, etc. I can't up anything that what Carrie just said. I, I feel like a lot of these products just need to be aimed a little bit better, but I think they're great for the purpose they are as being ways to get people into the, the story and the game itself. So, um, you know, I, I can't, I don't really know how better to, to I, like, I can't give any real constructive criticism outside of just being better about pointing people to the things you want them to consume, whether it be Amazon links or a store finder or like something like that. But like, I think they just need to point people in a way to get them to where they need to be and also make the site a little bit easier to navigate. But I think those two things might be at odds, especially with wizards because they, their site has always been a kind of a, a bear to wrangle since Ever since, like, way back in the 90s when, not 90s, the early 2000s when the internet was first coming about, like, their website has never been a, 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 an easy thing to navigate. So, <laughs> so um, moving on from that, because I know we'll talk, we'll, we'll, the, the story site comes up again later. Yes. <laughs> uh, let's, let's move on to the set story. Uh, so this is our first year with the five-on-five web story structure the whole year. Uh, I think it's fair to say that the, you know, the team had worked out some of the kinks before moving into this, because I think it started last year with Zendikar Rising. Yeah. And yeah, Zendikar Just Rising. before the end of well, 2020. Yeah, and that, that was kind of a whirlwind. But by by now, uh, it's starting to hit its stride. Um, so is it more popular than the novellas were within at least within the communities we're interacting with? So we should be clear, like. This is a podcast. Like, if you're listening to this podcast, you are an enfranchised Magic Story fan, right? Like, <laughs> you probably talk to a lot of other enfranchised Magic Story fans. Um, but is it more popular than the novellas, at least from that point of view? Uh, and can you? Is it comparable to say the before the Guilds of Ravnica uh, web story that era, like the Gate Magic Origins and Gatewatch through Guilds of Ravnica? Oh, that's an interesting question. I do think they are 
more popular than the novellas were, which is a shame because I feel like the novellas were very well done. But I think a lot of people balked at paying for for good content. Um, and you know, again, I think this com- this also comes back to Wizard not pointing people to the content um, that they want them to consume very well because. Um, that, that was peak time where people were complaining that they, there was no story, even though it was clearly out there, but they didn't know where to go, which is a shame. Um, the Eldraine novella was great. Um, it, it's like most of, like, I, I can't think of one that, I enjoyed all of them. So I, I guess I, I don't really know that there was a great, uh, I, I feel like they were better written than some of the web stories more recently, but I think it's not a, by a huge margin. I, I think the the most recent web stories have been amazing. Um, so it, it's I, I just think that because it's free on their website and um, people are more aware of them because other people are sharing them and it's free to access as opposed to the novellas. But I do think that they all of them have been relatively good uh, reads. Um, but I think we're still going. It's going to take a while to rebuild the goodwill of the community after um, you know the War of the Spark novels. I think that's just where we are. Yeah, I feel about the same way. The novellas definitely, or the web fiction, is far more discussed at least, um, if not consumed more than the novellas were. And I like the fact that it's free web fiction enables that. Do I think that novellas were a flawed format? No. But also like for ongoing story or the main set story, I'll correct myself again. Um, For the main set story, the web fiction seems to be the best way to get the most, the greatest number of people to be aware of the story by story beats because there's just like it's free to click on the link and read one story and if you don't enjoy that story oh well versus novellas where even if it's a five dollar commitment even if it's a two dollar commitment even if it is approximately the same price as a booster pack at a big box store like people just don't don't generally take that jump without having some kind of sampling and also the barrier to getting that sample is like enough to discourage some people. So yeah, I just like, I want there to be more novellas. I want there to be more ways for them to make magic into a serious IP where it can start doing web fiction and novellas and novels if they want to, and a comic line and games. Like they can do the full range of those things and have them each covering a different thing and not have to worry about overlap because they can exempt themselves based on not being the same continuity. Like that's perfectly fine at this point and that door is open. So I just, yeah, I'm perfectly fine with it. It just was not the answer for the main story and was not the answer in the regards of making sure that people were still going to be aware of the main story. But also like Brian said, the site has its own difficulties in making sure that people are aware (laughs) that there's a main story and the company as a whole, because like, I think I said it a year or two ago, but like you need to just like put a link to every single story in magic arena. Do you're allowed to do it legally? I promise (laughs) you can, you can let people, you can promote the fact that you have a story that is associated with the card set that people are playing. 
and or heck even the avatars like you have a lot of planeswalker avatars that or like people a lot of these people don't know who fraley's is but i guarantee if you had a link to this avatar you could tell them their show her story and like they might be interested in buying some of these customizations so they can buy so they could have a, a Fraley's avatar or a Yawgmoth avatar or whatever. Like people like it, it could help drive sales to to arena. Like if they were to appropriately link everything and have everything to where it was easier for people to know who some of these characters are, I think it would help them in multiple ways. But it's just taking the time to actually program it and do it would be the, the main issue. And I think that, like, for all of their flaws as companies and as games, Blizzard has made sure I'm aware whenever there's a new Overwatch comic out, whenever I launch the game, and in the game launcher itself as well. Um, And Apex has done practically the same thing. Like, I think they actually have an on-menu tab that you can click on to get to um, whatever this upcoming hero's story is. I play it so I can die within five minutes of dropping, but other people <laughs> might be interested in clicking on the story. And that's just like, I am the magic player in this case. Like not everybody's going to click on that, but there are going to be enough people who are interested. And it's like, I've clicked on the Overwatch comics before just to read them. They even had a book link up for, I believe Ash um, had an associated book that was coming out prior to all the controversy and you could actually click on that to i think read a sample from the book and get a link to buy the book it's like you're fully allowed to rip off other people's ideas and in this case it can only benefit your story for the like awareness that it would bring to massive player base of arena yeah and i'll say even you know so i published i mean i am the author of one of the few like physical publications from Ma- from Magic this year, like that is an old comic. Uh, if it weren't for the Strixhaven book, I'd be the only like Magic book that came <laughs> out this year. And I just to check, like even just on the Magic website, I just searched my last name, and there's 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 nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's the same way I felt when I was archiving the promotional links for like the Dak Fade and comics. I was like, oh, they only posted like a link to number one, and then they posted like two pages from number two as a tease. And it's like, sure, Boom is doing it infinitely better because they have like the leverage of press outlets, it seems, and like want to actively promote the thing they are selling. But like, you just need to plaster that everywhere. This is, these are things you are trying to sell. We see how hard you can push for a secret lair. You should do that for Jay. You should have a secret lair, Jay and Ellie. That's what I'm saying. But yeah, the card will be four different art for Krenko, man. <laughs> we do. We do. No, I only need one. No, it's going to be a Krenko, a Doretti, a Sahili, and a Zakama. Like, it's just going to be my my uh, <laughs> my commander's the secret lair. And I get to pick the artists who do it. Um, no, and I'm not I'm not saying that, like, because let, let's be clear. Like, you know, they did for the big Midnight Hunt uh, push. Like the book was in this big push with these actors, um, like Jimmy Wong and um, Joe Mangianello. Mangianello. I'm the worst Italian because I tried to stumble over over Mangianello. Um, so it's not like they're not pushing this stuff, but it is kind of funny that like if I didn't watch that, I 
could not find planes of the multiverse on the magic website. Like there's nothing that would indicate to me that this is something that exists. Um, which is fine. Cause I mean, the book is also not directed at the people who are going to the magic website, right? Like it's someone casually interested in magic. Who's like comes across it at a bookstore, but, uh, still that is something that, and I think every year we kind of come back to the communication across like story site platforms. So number and frequency of set releases as it has to do with uh, the story. What are your thoughts? My wallet hurts. (laughs) (laughs) I think I like I was surprised that there hasn't been a set that has been released between Midnight Hunt and Crimson Vow. I know that (laughs) Crimson Vow is literally the bonus set, but it's like, no, you literally just had like a few weeks where people got to play this and there was a secret layer announcement, but you're not obligated to buy that. And you can just like play the standard set. And I feel like we haven't had that in quite a while and um, just kind of get hammered with supplementals between well, that, that's also, sets. That's also because Midnight or Vow was coming out a couple months earlier than that. The set in that set. Yeah. And- it would normally be so i'm like uh, i'm not giving them any credit for that like i i guess like it's more of just like when you shift the focus from the standard set to here are previews from modern horizons to here are previews from commander legends here are previews from insert another supplemental set like you're drawing the general focus along to those preview cards and not that people are going to be like, well, I read one story of Midnight Hunt and now I'm distracted by this. But it's like, it's harder to push Midnight Hunt's story as an ongoing thing if Modern Horizons 3 is getting previewed two weeks after the previews for Midnight Hunt had ended. <laughs> like, it's just very, very hard to keep people's attentions. And like, that is unavoidable fact of the product releases. Like, they just choose to put out so many products story is going to not be as easy to promote as a result but that doesn't mean that you do not promote it like you can't just like throw out the link in a slew of um supplemental set previews and expect it to get this kind of same reception like there needs to be some momentum that carries along with it and i think that's just a difficult problem that is not my problem to solve but (laughs) i want to point out that it is a problem for a lot of people to kind of um pay attention i will say that if they follow a continuous storyline of some sort, it makes it easier for them to bridge all of these things together. If you have a bunch of uh, stories that are not connected in any way, like they did with Kaldheim into uh, Strixhaven, where the like n- literally none of the characters carried over from one story to the next, it's hard for them. It, I, I think it would be it, it will be very hard for them to maintain any kind of. Uh, continuity that will lose people who are trying to keep track of the story if they do it like that. But in the case where Val and Midnight Hunt are so close together and they are directly influenced, like Midnight Hunt is directly influencing Val, I think those aren't as big of a problem as jumps from Kaldheim to Strixhaven, especially when you have other supplemental products that are in between them that have story uh, notes of their own. Yeah, that's the meta problem above having so many products release is like we are getting jerked around from plane to plane to plane from the entirety of the end of war up until midnight hunt and like at least midnight hunt and crimson vow give us the not a block but 
definitely feels like a block yeah. feeling of like a continuous story. Um, would it be easier to do that with a character being the main character or a group of characters that you could call like the gate watch that like go between the, <laughs> go between the sets? It would be like, easier to retain people's attentions from main set story to main set story versus what's the threat in this one? I'm not interested in that. What's the threat in this one? And that seems like a pass. You don't even need to have it all be like the Gatewatch. You could have one character in your supplemental project be linked to the story that just ended and then have a bunch of little ancillary things in the supplemental products that kind of link different things together. And then the last story that you release from that product has one character that's going to be in the next standard set story that's going to be released. Like if you do little things like that, you could keep things a little bit at least semi-connected. And like as much as we're saying that, I will also be like, hey, I know this sounds batshit to anybody inside of Wizards because without internal writers who are writing both of those sets stories or without continuing to use the same contracted writer to write both of those sets stories, it's impossible to be able to hand the second person the first person's story and be like, you're continuing from this. This is what mood the character should be in. This is what they have recently done, what should be fresh on their mind. Like... I, I understand it's difficult, but also like people need those bridges. And I think the the gap from war until now has kind of proven that. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously <laughs> I can't comment on on what's what's happening on that front. Um, but I will say the last couple of years have very clearly been uh, divergent from like the Gatewatch era where we're much more in a planes hopping era, um, introducing a lot of characters doesn't feel like a lot of story threads are continuing. Um, I can't talk about that more, but it is something we, we, that is recognized. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, let's, let's talk about the storyline community in general. Uh, so there's been, there've been some really highs and lows this year. So like a high of Vorinclex showing up on call time to, a low of uh, Killian Liu and the, the 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 problems with his story. Um, what other kinds of highs and lows have we seen uh, this year, and what what do you make of them? I think a high has been like the general reception of Cold Time as a whole. It's not really story related, but people loved the twelve world, realms. World building counts, yeah, yeah. Or people love the ten realms. I can't count, <laughs> but. Um, and people were dying, like, please give us a second set on call time. Like, you can't do this to us where you only show us, like, um, some of the worlds and stories and some of them get more cards than other cards or other realms do. And it's like, people were eager to get more of that. And I think Strixhaven as a whole, well-received. Um, Midnight Hunt as a return, extremely well-received. We've gotten, like, uh, I guess the Ludovic fans were justified because <laughs> they got their 2.0 of that card. But like, I don't know. It's been like, there's been some really big highs, but it hasn't punctured the mainstream outside of those two examples, which was Vorinclex because it was like the big tease of Phyraxian Return and Killian because the mishandling of that storyline. Yeah, and this is year also where our sort of sister podcast, uh, the Lorgoifs, uh, went on hiatus, more or less permanent. Uh, you know, they they didn't explicitly say they're never coming back, but also they've been gone for months and months now. Um, yeah. 
And, you know, they were before the Vorthos cast, they were the they were the first Vorthos podcast, really. Um, and the longest running up until essentially this year. Yeah. And I think that's like we have it outlined here, but this communication from the story team has been almost zero. Um, only really the independent authors are chiming in whenever they want to answer fan questions or stuff. Um, but like, is it a bad thing? Not in the abstract, because there's a lot of, um, as proven with like previous story credits, there's a lot of harassment that gets sent the way of the authors, especially when it comes to mischaracterizations or perceived mischaracterizations <laughs> more appropriately. Um, you know, it's just like you don't have access to the people behind the scenes. That is great for them. And it's also horrible for people who are doing this as a passion and want to see Magic Story Duke be the best that it can be because it's just silence. And I think that's um, difficult because I really would love for them to reach out, if not to the cast of the Lorgoifs, then to other podcasts that are still running to just kind of be like, hey, we have things handled and we're like, when when stuff like the Killian issue comes up, be like, we are planning on addressing this and don't make it a, we delayed a side story one week and we're giving you a bonus side story at the end. Don't ask any questions, <laughs> which is a little uh, uneasy because we're just entire, entirely out of the loop on that process. And obviously the decision was made to do some amount of work on the story prior to publishing it. But was there was there a public statement on Killian Lou? I do not believe so. I know there are some people within Wizards or tangential to Wizards employees who were clarifying um, a lot of the internal goings on and their intentions. But it's also like you just can say that stuff publicly, you know, like it's not a, it's perfectly allowed for you to talk to the people, especially the people who are going to be the most discouraged by your silence, which are the people who are covering it because it's their podcast or their articles. So, all right, let's, so um, in terms of waxing and waning interest as well, the one thing I've personally noticed is uh, fan art has been coming back this year. Like, way more way more like ain't nobody was <laughs> ain't nobody was making zendikar rising fan art right like yeah. it was not uh but this year like consistently i'm seeing it again so we're seeing regrowth from the war of the spark era fan art is just absurdly important because like i don't know just as a regular twitter and tumblr user if i see fan art of a character i'm interested in I'll visit that character's wiki page for the gamer story. Like, that's perfectly fine. I can be interested from fan art alone. And, like, it just has an amazing reach because people who are not fans of the game can just retweet it because they like the art. So, <laughs> and it shows community engagement. And I think we need some of that after yes. War's Spark. So, uh, I know, Carrie, you had a few more points to make. I, I created a, I put an indent there with these uh, last three, although I'd skip, we, I think we covered the story site stuff. Yeah. Um, do, do you, either of you have anything left you want to say about these community issues before we talk about the future and wrap up? Um, just generally, like, 
figure out how to get new story fans on board. Like we talked about that with the site and like it has been a decade since a majority of the Planeswalker profiles or Planes profiles have been updated and new ones haven't been added. Literally just remove that part of the story page. I am begging with you decommission the Planeswalker profiles and put Planes of the Multiverse by Jay and Ellie there and Strixhaven curriculum and any other products you want to boost. They will do more for people visiting the page than seeing a half complete out of date profile page. And on all honesty, like as somebody who's attempted the profiles in the past for my own website, they suck. You have to rewrite things three months later because there's going to be a new product release, if not sooner in the case of this year where there's just more frequent product releases. Um, they're difficult. And you, when you're pumping out new worlds and new planeswalkers, it's difficult to keep up. So if you cannot keep up, and I think the last decade has shown that they can't keep up and like aren't necessarily willing to keep up, unless you're legitimately willing to hire somebody on full time to literally just manage those, it's it's game over. <laughs> it's like it's time that they're gone. So that's my plead. All right, Brian, do you have any last thoughts on that on, or on community topics? I mean, no, I've got nothing. All right. Looking to the future. What are your hopes and fears for the Netflix show? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> I I guess I'm interested to see how they're going to handle Gideon. Um, like, I know we're it seems like we're a good ways off of his demise. If they follow the War of the Spark storyline, who say that they will. But if they do, I'm wondering how they're going to carry on the show after they hit that point. Um, but I'm also intrigued. They obviously are going with big names with Brandon Ralph. Wait, it is Brandon, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, being a, a, a notable actor, um, it, it seems like they're going, they're like, it, it seems like they are doing this with legit intentions and they're not just trying to, uh, go about it looking for looking to spend the least amount of money to get the least uh to do the least the most with the least amount um so I, i'm very intrigued and I, I i'm looking forward to seeing what it is and i have high hopes or i shouldn't say high. i i, I have hmm. i'm coming in with reasonable expectations not super high not super low i'm just going to be middling and i'm i'm hoping that they can live up to those uh expectations I'll say that I like Gideon and Jace, so <laughs> I will watch the show. Um, I like Gideon, so I will watch the show. I like Gideon and Jace, so I will read the book. Um, I'm excited because like, tying in a prequel novella shows that I guess they're putting a little um, they're putting a little more focus into this and, I mean, frankly, money into it <laughs> if, they're, if they're having a book made to go along just to build people into the show in the first place um so i'm just interested to see where it goes i'm pretty open-minded i like gideon i like jace i like that they were both part of interplanar groups prior to any relevant story <laughs> so i think and i think interplanar stories would lend well to netflix or any other uh, tv show format so i'm perfectly fine with that i will reserve all judgment because like as much as I would like to criticize it changing hands, I would rather it have changed hands and have taken longer to come out than have 
been done on properly the first time and not be renewed. So I'm looking, I'm looking towards the potential good of this. Yeah, potential. <laughs> Always better to have a solid groundwork for potential season twos. Where do you think the fan community, the story fan community is uh, now that we are, what, two years after War of the Spark? Um, are, are, are fans cautiously optimistic? Are they still nervous about where things are going? What, 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 what are your opinions on where things are at? Um, what, I, I guess I'm, I'm thinking there's still a lot of damage that still needs to be repaired after War of the Spark. I think things are looking up um, from where they were. But I still think we, we have a ways to go after War of the Spark. Um, I mean, the Lord Goyce is still gone. I mean, that that's, to me, that's a bellwether. Uh, like, I, I do think that there is room. Like, I think Regenerate has been activated. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think it's not dead. I, I do think we're tapped is, and removed from combat. Yeah. I think once we get to the end step and damage is removed and we get back to our next turn, maybe things will, as long as we don't get a uh, lightning bolted again before in this step, I think we might be fine. So as long as they don't have any more ridiculous screw ups, I think there's room for, um, you know, for increased growth and maybe a return to where we were before war of the spark, but you know, it might take some time to get there. It always it, it always takes more to create than it does to destroy. So we'll see. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It is. It feels like Battle for Zendikar era, where people have been onboarded and are feeling the hype and think that there could be a potential for continuing story and are seem to be pretty eager, eagerly trying to get other people interested in it, be it through the web fiction or the comics. I'm optimistic about it, um, but yeah, we're still, we've got a long way to rebuild to, and that's going to be difficult, um, difficult to do in silence, especially because like the last kind of major update we got was the, um, regarding regionally blocked stories or, um, whatever similarly titled article where they were like, Hey, we're not going to, we're going to tell the stories that we want to tell regardless of where we're allowed to tell them. And I think that was a good promise to make, but it's also like we just simply need more assurance than putting out good story because as much as we can yell that the Midnight Hunt story is good and that Jay and Ellie should get a raise for having consulted on it and that we love all this stuff, it is um, difficult to break through to people who saw how spectacularly um, things kind of fell apart in the past few years and reconvince them that story is something that they should care about, that is worth caring about, and that will be cared about internally very seriously going forward. So, yeah. I think that is an excellent note to end on. So I'm going to say thank you all for listening. Uh, if you enjoy our podcast... You can uh, subscribe to our Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash thevorthoscast. And for just a dollar a month, you get access to our excellent Discord server where you have people talking about all of these issues, 
all the time in a very reasonable manner, which is, <laughs> which is rare. I know a lot of people are like, yeah, basically we only talk about like the, um, Chris, <laughs> for instance, only talks about magic stuff in our discord. Cause it's like the only place you can go into and, and talk about it and be critical, um, without it turning into like a thing, like it frequently does, as you know, things on the internet happen. So if you'd like to be part of a community like that, please come and join us. It helps us uh, keep our operation going. Uh, and I should also note, this will be my last podcast for a while. I, I'm going to reiterate that. <laughs> I'll be going on hiatus <laughs> as my my baby is coming. And, uh, or well, our my wife and my baby is coming. And uh, listen, I, I love Magic Story. I do. Five years ago. I started writing about Magic Story because I had nothing better to do because I was holding an adorable little baby boy in my arms uh, and started typing out my first articles in Google Docs on my phone, uh, which I don't recommend to anybody. Um, And yeah, and now here we are with the second baby on the way and I've published (laughs) two official Magic books. So feels like a weird place to be. I will be back, but uh, don't rush me. (laughs) <laughs> thank you all. For, thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos cast. I'm totally rushing him. <laughs>